0: Hi everyone, welcome to Freshwater Perspectives. Today we'll be talking about climate change and its impacts to freshwater fishing and the fishing economy. Thanks for listening. how's it going it's going good riley how about you new week it's been going good yeah
1: yeah for for our listeners we took about a week or two off from recording um i wanted to celebrate my birthday last week
0: um so yeah it was a good time
1: thanks man The Uh, rachel and i (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 27 um yeah uh rachel and i went we went fishing we took the we took one of the, the station boats out it was it was a good time. Uh, we got yeah. I think five fish between us. Went over went down to Columbus, Georgia for dinner. It was a good time. It was really nice. Really enjoyed. Nice. It was just nice and relaxing. Yeah. Didn't like I left my phone in the car. I didn't have to worry about like answering emails or anything mm-hmm. all day. It was great. Loved it.
0: Columbus. I like Columbus, Georgia. That mm-hmm. was like a the river town of it all. That was so mm-hmm. nice. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It doesn't really have much of a nightlife, but it is like a really nice area.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah what's fun yeah i saw you fishing too Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. one of the perks of going to auburn was uh fishing -hmm. Fishing you can be right there on
1: campus it's
0: great Mm -hmm. yeah remember remember we catfished a couple times there
1: oh that was great Uh, yeah yeah. and we we took them home that night and fried them
0: yep that was was a great time yeah no i've um well my parents were here this weekend Mm. and um it's it's um seasons are just changing so leaves are actually changing even more now um it's it's the cold's coming i think it hit the 33
1: one night here last week yeah that, that sounds fantastic
0: yeah that was pretty good um just the if, if, if the wind comes off the water like microclimates up here it's it's the thing right mm-hmm. so like mm. um especially especially if the wind is uh coming off the, the like the, from the north like um north going towards whatever whatever ways uh, i'm not gonna get into it but uh yeah that um that lake effect is huge so we um we yeah got... i
1: think down here you down go. here at nights, it's just starting to get like dip into the 60s so i can finally turn the air off at night and like open the windows yeah. oh it's great this is like yeah. my favorite time of year
0: mm-hmm. yeah no um so i went out sampling at my work and one of the samples, it's called uh, the Apostle Islands, mm. and um, mm-hmm. we we uh, took the ferry over, right? And then like it's like a really affluent area of like all these people's houses, but like on the on the north side is where we we sample. It's one of our, our beach sample sites, and uh, it was it was really windy, like fifty miles an hour, which just doesn't sound like a lot, but like no. the waves coming from the north, because it was um the wind was blowing mm-hmm. from the north, coming southward, and we went to like the northmost point on the island. And I mean, there was like three or four foot waves. Like, I was like, whoa, like it's mm. um, the unsalted ocean. <laughs> like, I was like, holy moly. Um, <laughs> there's like one, there's a, there's a like a jewelry store or something at the one place. It's really touristy, this one spot. And they call it like mm. the, the unsalted sea or something. <laughs> and I was like, "Yep." <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So uh, change in seasons. I don't know. They always talk about like, the wind's coming up here, so yeah. We'll see hmm. if it's okay. will be true or not. Yeah, yeah. experiencing it and um I'm fine.
1: Hi everyone, welcome back to Freshwater Perspectives. I'm one of your co hosts, Matt Gladfelter, along with my other co host, Riley Bewley. How are you doing today, Riley?
0: Hi Matt, doing good.
1: Good so for any of our new listeners how riley and I like to run the podcast here is we have to switch off every week as to who's going to run the show here so i'm taking a back seat today and riley is in charge so what do you got for us today riley
0: yeah thanks matt so we will be talking about climate change global warming um, whatever you want to call it and we're going to look at how it influences recreational fishing with a kind of a specific influence on um or emphasis i should say on like the economics of fishing so um as i've been getting out of school um i don't know stuff with dollar signs in front of it like we we talked about this <laughs> a few times it's just the human dimensions but then like like yeah this is gonna happen but like what like what does that mean like tangibly like and uh so these studies with again with dollar signs i'm like hmm, mm-hmm. like it, it really for some reason it's really resonating with me um at this point in time in my life so uh that's what i'll be talking <laughs> about right yeah so um let me let me get a, a little bit of an introduction, and then we're going to kind of have an introduction to the, the other part. So, um, yeah, climate change, it, it's occurring, right? Um, and you, you better believe that it's going to like affect freshwater ecosystems. Um, with that effectiveness, like the, there'll be influences on recreational angling as well. And that's what we we'll talking about today. And I think really the in- interesting scientific question, obviously this could be somewhat perceived as kind of like a political politically charged word let's just mm-hmm. leave it at that and like we're definitely not going to be focusing on that um, definitely the show is not political um, so I think really the interesting question here is you know not not if client change is going to affect freshwater fisheries but how and to what extent so a lot of these papers mm-hmm. um, are really trying to just get a better handle of you know if, if X Y and Z happen what are the, what are the outputs going to be um, and I'm going to talk about two papers really here um, about that cool so um what any any topical thoughts before i go on (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think
1: i think it's yeah this is a this is a always a tricky subject right without kind of upsetting too many people um but i mean nothing really i mean it's it's so tough when i was doing um some summer research as an undergraduate at the university of virginia um they were working on a project seeing how um global warming and like excess ozone kind of in in the lower parts of the atmosphere whether that would interfere with like bee communication and Mm -hmm. bees picking up chemical cues from flowers um and they, they saw some minor effects so that was actually pretty interesting and i think it's just something that we don't really think about um and you talked a little earlier about microclimates right and a lot of organisms have these really particular uh kind of temperature ranges so a couple of degrees it might not seem like a lot and it might not yeah. be for most organisms but for a handful it can be a really big deal
0: for sure yeah and uh just so everybody in FYI um Matt and I don't necessarily tell each other what we're going to be talking about today so um this is this is new to Matt and what he'll um mm-hmm. next round will be new to me but uh I think that's makes it a little more um not unique exciting, but, um, exciting <laughs> right or uh, sincere yeah. this podcast is a little more sincere <laughs> than uh, so yeah. um with this article too so we we have articles on um our website fish water and travel so freshwater perspectives um what we're going to talk about we we usually write an article too so um it, it the, the story that we're going to be telling is scripted in that sense um and if you are are uh not an audio person, but you like to read, um, you can go there and there will be a, a corresponding article on our website as well as this will be recorded um, on YouTube. So visually, audio, um, if you can read it as well. But um, let's get back into it, okay? So mm-hmm. <laughs> so definitely there's been a lot of research on this subject, right? And, you know, alterations to freshwater um, fisheries. So if there's an alteration to a freshwater fishery a habitat, there's going to be an influence on, you know, angler preference and ultimately angler preference might shift economies of fishing um with this research there's kind of been an estimate of if climate change in the united states is going to happen and to what severity it's unknown there's been some studies not the ones we're going to be talking about today um there'll be either 1.1 million dollars to 1.7 billion dollars um that's going to be the shift from into <laughs> year 2100 2100 yeah yeah um so Definitely wow. a wide, severe range. So that, that is to say, um, ranges or estimates, it's still kind of unknown, right? And mm-hmm. again, luckily, the, the scientific world has looked into this topic and we're going to kind of cover two in, more in-depth studies that um, kind of gets better estimates in my change in my, my opinion about climate change. One of them is looking into the future, and the other one has kind of assessed what has been happened in the last three decades. So um, actual data and then looking in the future and how that's going to, to occur, okay? okay? Okay, yeah, I like it so, so far. that was an intro to the podcast, but let's kind of intro um, climate change and rec- recreational fisheries before we go into these two studies. So mm-hmm. just to give a little more background, so researchers from Utah State University um, thinks in this, in this um, kind of like an extension article I found, there was climate change and how it's going to affect freshwater fisheries and they they kind of boil it down to three different ways okay so um climate change will have affecting environmental conditions which will ultimately affect um fish abundance and diversity okay Mm -hmm. so if you think of where we'll be talking about a lot about temperature ranges in these couple articles so um cold water cool water and warm water are kind of like these fish um categories that you can put freshwater fish into so cold water just um for for what we'll be talking about in the future is about 50 to 65 degrees fahrenheit cool water is 65 to 70 degrees fahrenheit and then warm water is 70 to 85 degrees okay okay but um if you think of especially in regards to temperature drought precipitation uh, you can see changes especially with water temperatures you might have an area that's cool water. It's going to shift into warm water. That's going to shift what kind of fish are there, right? So mm-hmm. that will have an effect on fish abundance and diversity, just implicitly. There's there's temperature tolerances and fish just might not be able to live there, right? But mm-hmm. that can also change, you know, spawning grounds, for example, feeding habitats or habits as well. So it's kind of unknown getting there, but, you know, these things can all change with, um, variations in aquatic habitat due to climate change okay Mm -hmm. so second one that they talked about is angular preference so if you have an area that was once filled with cold water fish species an example is trout okay brook trout so they really need cool clean water Um, any deviation from that you know they're not going to be there so if you have fishermen going for that they're not there anymore that that brook trout's not there anymore you know, fish preference is going to change as well. Okay. And we'll be talking oh, about this quite a bit, right? Gotcha. Yeah. The, the third, um, kind of effect that, um, climate change is going to have on freshwater fisheries from this, this article from Utah State University is, you know, how, how are managers going to manage those inland fisheries? So, you know, if you, if you need to modify where spawning grounds are going to happen you might have to have those um we talked about this in a couple podcasts ago about you know maybe slot sizes you know you might have to you might have to buffer or account for that that diversity changes in your your fish population as well as what are your anglers doing you know if they're going to really hammer an area because they know that's like the last spot in your area that this certain fish lives you know during spawning time for example you know you might have to have different um seasons right so make sense
1: yeah no yeah. totally okay i mean yeah it's again i think when you think of global warming you just think of you know kind of turn the thermostat up a little bit and that's really it but yeah it's when yeah. you think about angular preference i mean yeah there's a lot that already ties into this
0: yes and then the kind of this so those are the three things right but then this bonus thing that we'll be really focusing on and i want to drive home um multiple times this podcast is that angular preference comes with it different dollars to different areas okay so if you are going um you know fishing in one spot fish aren't there you're gonna take your you know summer trip somewhere else for example and this can be this can be huge so um again to highlight these issues we're going to talk about our case studies the first one is looking at a three decade long study in montana and this is looking at trout streams and its effect or its impact with tourism tourism so um this was from klein et al 2002 this was like hot off the press so hooray and this is from science advantage and so really focusing in on this cold water fish habitat Uh, trout streams cold water if you can think about um, rainbow trout uh, brook trout those are cold water species and then you can get into cool water species like uh, brown trout can have a little bit more thermal tolerance but uh, really focusing on this cold water habitat so this is really really important for um, Montana so this paper is really focusing in on the rocky mountain area of montana okay and mm-hmm. a little background about this paper as well so uh climate change if you think of influences on water temperature weather patterns and drought are kind of what it's going to talk about and with that you can have maybe different um angular opportunities because of that drought and what this this the key focus of this paper is that if if you have an area that has diversity or resilience to drought specifically uh, you might be better able to accommodate more anglers and their impacts and not really not really lose that tourism money but um that's that'll be what it talks about and definitely with within you know diversity it, you know surviving adverse environmental conditions like climate change you know biology really revise on diversity this could be from gene pools uh definitely fish with different thermal tolerances not all fish live in 50 degree water right we have 50 to 85 or even higher so there's mm-hmm. that, those thermal tolerances right um varying aquatic habitats there's all these things that come into play and if you have an area with diversity in your aquatic habitats um you might be better um you you might be better off with if climate change happens you might have able to, to buffer Right, so definitely if you are a fisherman though, and you wanna fish really specifically for, for cool water fish species, um, that's kind of like at the lower end of the thermal tolerances. So if it gets warmer, like cool water, there's just not a lot of buffer room, right? So mm-hmm. you're, if you're a, a fisherman and you're going for it, you might have to go to different areas to to go for that cold water fisheries, right? And definitely this is what it's, it's finding in, in Montana, and they're kind of worried about that. Um, the so here's a, a great little uh number with a dollar sign in front of it uh montana rocky mountain range this fishery it brings in 750 million dollars a year okay wow that's 20 percent of the entire state's tourism wow yeah and mo- a lot of it a lot of it is coming from non-resident angling okay
1: that makes sense to me honestly yeah, yeah. all the all the guided fishing 100 yep. percent,
0: yeah Guide fishing. It, it's got that like allure, right? You got mm-hmm. river runs oh, through boy, it. Yeah. I think was from Montana, right? Yeah, it's like Montana's. <laughs> yeah, it's got that. Um, it's got that vibe. So, okay. <laughs> and um, so the methods of this paper. Let's jump into that really quickly. So, what the the researchers did is they looked at um, five thousand kilometers, or that's about um, thirty one hundred miles of river and streams, trout streams, um, from. 1983 to 2017 so like the a, a three decade ish span mm-hmm. right and they're looking at how temperature stream flow and drought changed in that area and how that mm-hmm. relates to fishing fishing pressure okay yeah Um, so that's we'll just keep it at that really that's what it's looking at and then we're looking at how subsequently um, how angler dollars change throughout the state okay okay so here's it's uh next this is the finding section and it's gonna be okay. some some dollars. We're gonna not get too far into the data, but uh, keep it keep it light. But uh, definitely some uh some big numbers coming at you. Okay, so yeah, interestingly, from 1983 to 2017, um, the fishing pressure in the the Rocky Mountains increased from 800,000 fishing days to 1.7 million fishing de- days per year. So wow, um, definitely that the Montana um allure is still alive and well and there, yeah there's, montana there's,
1: tourism pat, mm-hmm. pat yourself on the back there
0: driven largely by non-resident anglers so non-resident angling was up 280 percent. so wow. a lot of a lot of people coming into the the state of montana this area and what's interesting though it's not all parts of this rocky mountain region um, had the same amount of fishing pressure. It wasn't dispersed, right? There are specific rivers that got a lot more fishing pressure from mm-hmm. these extra angling days. So angling days is something that um, I guess is new to me I, I, before reading this. Um, both studies talk about like fishing days per year. So like I guess that makes sense, right? Like if you're it can't be like we have 12,000 residents going fishing because those 12,000 people might, you know, go fishing for 70 days out of the year you know what i'm saying so yeah fishing days per year that that is a good assessment of um effort right or individuals going mm-hmm. out fishing so uh, okay. major rivers for maybe someone's in montana like well, what rivers are you talking about um or if you, you want to go to montana and be like well wh- where should i avoid or maybe where should i go if you think that these are really it's popular for a reason right so uh yeah um, maybe yeah maybe <laughs> so i don't know um, Blackfoot, Bitterroot, and Madison. Okay. Um, these rivers experienced a 1600% increase in fishing pressure over those three decades. Wow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a lot. That's a lot. So (laughs) why that's a question, right? Um, why why did they, why did some rivers get more while other rivers, um, you know, there's a Possibly they saw that there was a decline in some fishing pressure in some areas. And what they mm-hmm. saw really to blame was drought. So fishing pressure was reduced in river stretches that um, could not withstand the influences of drought, um, which they relate to, to climate change. Um, but areas that were unaffected or those um, drought resistant streams, uh, more, more fishing pressure was, was allocated to those stream stretches. And what was interesting was they thought, found that resident anglers knew um, to avoid areas that had like were drought stricken before mm. non-resident anglers did. Um, so <laughs> it, the, the, the the old adage of like you know where where do the locals fish um, mm-hmm. really rings true. So find mm-hmm. where the locals going because they know um, before maybe non-residents.
1: Yeah, for sure. I love studies that bring up a lot of numbers like this because it it makes me want to ask a lot of questions Mm -hmm. um and some of it i guess makes sense right is that if you have systems that are you know obviously have a drought people are going to move to they're all going to kind of eventually converge onto one system just because you're instead of people being spread out you're just concentrating them um so you could argue that's fudging the numbers a little bit but you already said that the actual number of angling days has more than doubled in that three decade span which is so not only are you getting more anglers you're getting more anglers and less spots which yep. is perhaps concerning
0: and um so definitely uh i did jump ahead a little bit for the drought so that that's like the, the main crux of this paper is what they found mm-hmm. but they also found that you know some reasons that some rivers got more pressure could be attributed to location so if you are a non-resident angler flying in and you're by a major metropolitan in montana that that is um possibly another reason but uh definitely it looked like the stats was um finding that this these drought areas were kind of the, the main if i'm reading it correctly the main um finding of this paper okay so um mm-hmm. just so we're mm-hmm. all clear um, <laughs> um so let's let's talk about like uh, economics of fishing and climate change so um this study definitely found that anglers were going for cold water these pristine areas the most okay uh cold water fisheries so there are other fisheries in this area so like there's there's cool and warm water fisheries so like bass and walleye are definitely in this area as well but mm-hmm. uh, anglers were targeting cold water species four to ten times more than other ones okay mm. and then in total so yeah right four to ten times more that's great right but mm-hmm. here, here's some dollar signs right so um in total cold water areas generated half a million dollars per river kilometer okay wait per per year half a million dollars per river kilometer per wow so each stretch half a million yeah yeah wow isn't that great wow and then um they found that areas that had cool or warm water fisheries um were per per kilometer river kilometer that was about sixty thousand dollars per year. That
1: is such a big difference. A I mean difference almost 10 times, right? Wow. $440,000.
0: Wow. So, wow. Areas that can keep this resistant cold water fishery going just money, you know what I'm saying? Like it just just people yeah. for for lodging, for guide service, you know, lures, all that um and the people are just allocating their time to these areas so it's really um again putting that dollar sign of this this idea of climate change for for fisheries mm-hmm. so isn't that crazy
1: yeah i will say too maybe i'm not too surprised that the cold water species are targeted that much more i mean maybe it's that much more is surprising but they are targeted yeah. more in montana just because especially if out of staters are like kind of really pro- uh, kind of propelling this trend mm-hmm. if i'm going all the way to montana i already have i have a lot of warm water species wherever i fish i yeah. want to target those cold water species Definitely. um so yeah i want to target those those trout and those those other species yeah there's there's bass i can go get bass or
0: walleye um yeah almost anywhere else um but. so yeah and unfortunately a, a big a finding that they they kind of estimated into the future so this is the past three decades and then they kind of mm-hmm. took it to see like well what are what are these trends gonna look like maybe um in 2040 and 2080 and cold water habitats there were some areas that were resistant but you know the resistance is only for so much and then mm-hmm. um you know changes are going to occur so they think about 35 to 80 percent of cold areas might be might be lost um this could mm-hmm. lead to about a 30 percent reduction in angler pressure to those areas so um definitely the next paper that we'll be talking about but in this paper as well too so it's like you're not gonna people like to fish right and they're going to go fish so you might not lose all anglers but Um, their, their preferences are going to change. So Mm -hmm. like, even though you might lose 80% of the cold water areas, you know, the bass and and walleye might, might go into those areas in some cases. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, that could not lead to as great a reduction to, to angler pressure loss. Um, so they're not, they're definitely not linear, right? Yeah. Um, correlated, but
1: Mm -hmm. And yeah. I'm guessing that loss of cold water habitat—that was mostly a, lo- a like a lack of snowmelt. I'm assuming.
0: So I'm not exactly sure, but uh, definitely uh, there there was some reasons why they had some resistance, and that I definitely I think okay. altitude was one of them as well, or that could be in the other paper. But um, yeah, I won't. Okay. I won't. Yeah. Um, just because I didn't write it down, I'm not gonna. Yeah. <laughs>
1: no conjecture.
0: Use my brain a little <laughs> too much to try to remember. But... <laughs> okay. So yeah, that was um that was the Montana story. Yeah. Okay. So a lot a lot of numbers, right?
1: Yeah. I like I said, I like it because I think that's a head turner. Um mm-hmm. whenever I'm trying to write a report or something, just for like the lay person especially, or even just like most people. I think most people understand numbers. And like you said, I think a lot of people understand dollars, right? Mm-hmm. So if you can say, Oh, like this thing is impacting this area, and you go, okay, that's cool. But if you're like, oh, this area, this thing is costing this area like two million dollars every year, everyone goes, oh shoot, yeah, all right, we need to figure out what, like what yeah. that problem is. So and I think
0: yeah. what pow- what's powerful with that paper and why it's getting a good amount of attention, as a research it's 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 real data. I mean, a portion yeah. of that project was yeah, you know, it's it's thirty years of um, data, so that's that's not a necessarily a, a model. It's real tangible so um yeah uh very interesting um Mm -hmm. let's let's jump so this one is gonna next article is gonna look more into the the future okay Okay. so uh the future um so this was from jones et al in the journal of mitigation and adaptation strategies for global change never heard of the the journal um fun Mm -hmm. name so i'm trying to verbally cite my sources it's in the article but actually i like um, it right so i'm always like "Ah, i found this number i'm like yeah it's not if i was listening (laughs) to a podcast i would get where did you find the number, sir um so it's a balance right of uh Mm -hmm. not too much jargon but um definitely i think it's important to um attribute what author but uh so this person is looking at temperature driven climate change and how these um affect freshwater habitats uh a number that they they found though or definitely cited was so the recreational fishing in the united states like overall what what do you think uh that number is like what 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 kind of um revenue is brought in for that it's in the billions it's got to be in the billions
1: um i'm I'm gonna gonna say oh jeez i'm gonna say like three billion 42 billion i won't 42 wow yeah in suspense right
0: (laughs) So um I should put this at the the front, right? So it's like recreational fisheries like this is this is huge, right? So it's like yeah um it's it's more so like it's not just mom and pop going fishing like, you know, on your local stream. This is this these are real numbers. This is tax Mm -hmm. revenue, right? So Oh um,
1: yeah, the um Pittman Robertson act. So um that excise tax. If
0: if you ever think of like why and we'll do a podcast on this one day, but like why why in some situations your um lures for example cost so much money or like why why does fuel at the marina cost so much money it's because it's, it's taxed more right there's a mm-hmm. there's a tax that is meant to be generated and that goes into conservation right so in this study it's, it's going to look at like three scenarios to uh year 2100 2100 and it's mm-hmm. looking at with greenhouse gas emissions, you know, if we have low emissions, moderate and high emissions, I'm not going to give specifics other than that. And mm-hmm. how, how will that influence temperature and drought? And how is that going to influence fish habitat and therefore um, recreational fishing pressure? Okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. And this really focusing again on this cold, cool and warm water fisheries. How is this going to change as temperature changes in rivers and streams? Okay yeah so um this is in the united states specifically and really kind of looking at overall loss of fishing days and revenue so results Um, when they did the this modeling okay what they found was up to 54 percent of cold water fisheries would be replaced by cool and warm water fisheries throughout the united states um, Mm. with areas getting so warm that um, only rough fish would survive so an example Mm. of rough fish that might be a crass word maybe and now to say but it, it's like common carp right mm-hmm. it's it's if you yeah. had to choose to well some people really like common carp but yeah. um there's there's just rough fish i don't know how to yeah. like suckers I mean, rough fish and, is a
1: nicer is a nicer word we just called them trash fish in jersey trash fish garbage <laughs>
0: fish yeah no um <laughs> yeah yeah we call them rough fish i would like a uh, big mouth buffalo or mm-hmm. um those other ones gar some some people really yeah. like gar though but uh yeah, yeah. They're interesting. The, Definitely the, interesting. The less targeted species. Less targeted. I mean, if you think about a bass fisherman pulling up carp, for example, they, they might get mm-hmm. a little uh, a little angry. Or if you're going mm-hmm. trout fishing, for example, and then you're pulling up carp. Um, mm-hmm. So cold water fisheries would remain in the United States, they found, even I think with the, the most extreme um, scenarios. But it's, it's really limited to a few areas, like the, the western U.S. and the Appalachian Mountains could really mm-hmm. – um, hold these fish and definitely related to altitude and snow mountain yeah what's what's cooling those waters for example Mm -hmm. uh so yeah it's uh pretty pretty grim right yeah um so how does this water temperature change to or relate to the the economics of recreational fisheries Mm -hmm. and uh you guessed it um (laughs) it reduced the amount of fishing days people um are going to be allowed or allocated um so by 2031 it's an estimated 1.25 million fishing days would be lost in cold water fisheries okay and then by um the year 2100 it's 6.2 million fishing days are lost to to give you another put that in perspective they average that 136 million fishing days in the united states um, are performed yearly if that makes sense so like it's like 4.7% um loss in fishing day, okay?
1: Okay. It's not a small number though. Mhm.
0: Not a small number and it's again going back to you know like why why is that number I don't want to say small, but yeah, it's it's on that like kind of on the lower end. You're like, "Oh gosh, like why wouldn't it be kind of a bit more if all these cold water mm-hmm. fisheries and it's it's the idea that um or the the, the thought process that people are still going to go fishing. Like if you're really into fishing, like you maybe you can't fish for trout, but maybe you're gonna get into largemouth bass in your area, right? So Mm -hmm. um, despite these cold water fish days being lost, um, then they're gonna switch to cool and warm water, like fisheries, people would switch, okay? So, um, but in areas where like uh, only rough fish are, definitely that's going to severely, severely limit how many people are going to fish in that area, okay? So uh, definitely uh, from Minnesota, I know a couple lakes, for example, shallow lakes specifically they would have like a winter kill where a lot of prized fish would die and then like carp would survive in there and like definitely you you would see a angling pressure moving off right Mm -hmm. so um i remember one of those lakes i know for like when i grew up they it was like just a carp lake you know what i'm saying and then like (laughs) as of recent i was they're like yeah the dnr stocks that like or it's like a an area where the DNR is like getting their walleye, mm. Um so like I think they like, I don't know this for sure, but like I think they kind of knew that like there wasn't a whole lot of fishing pressure, so like this is where, like they're gonna keep walleye, like mm. right? So I was like, that's kind of smart. But then people come yeah. on, so like we yeah, were fishing out eventually. There we, we like yeah. hammered a bunch of like little like three four inches, which <laughs> like isn't fun, but also you're like volume like <laughs> it's going down. But that was ice fishing. That was fun. But oh yeah. okay. Yeah. 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 So just to, to, to close this loop on this study, definitely, um, there's, you know, a lot of loss of of fishing days and that can equate to dollars. Right. So this Mm -hmm. study, um, estimates that about 181, excuse me, estimates that 81 million to 6.4 billion would be lost in, in revenue, like, uh, Mm -hmm. recreational revenue. So, um, again that would be 6.4 billion out of the 42 billion that was estimated mm-hmm. in 40 um, in 2006 so its yeah, it's that's a, chunk. Not a small number yeah it's not a small number but if you really think like to again like tying in that montana number like definitely things are gonna change but especially with like areas that really throw down on tourism yeah that you might only lose a percentage of the overall like fishing industry but you if you're a the town that's relying on a cold water fisheries and that fisheries is gone, like whole whole towns are gonna be it's not gonna be a uniform hit. That's what I'm trying to like, point oh, out. Hundred like, percent. Yeah. You know, some areas are gonna be like, wow, you like it's really um not what it used to be. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I yeah. Mm,
1: yeah. No, I mean I think I think that's you kinda hit it at the end there, just talking about how this is really just gonna hurt certain people the most and yeah, my heart goes out to the cold water uh, of guiding industry for sure, because mm-hmm. I'm sure they're going to take a huge hit, unfortunately. Um, yeah, so yeah. was so were these numbers from that low emission um scenario or it was a blend scenario? from low medium oh, high? Okay. So like uh gotcha, gotcha, definitely gotcha. like
0: with the 54 percent of the fisheries could be replaced with uh from cold to cool and warm that was like. Um, through those three estimates that was like up to 54 percent. okay oh i see yep, okay yep, yep. okay yeah i try to blend gotcha. it out a little bit i see what you're saying um otherwise we'd have figures and graphs and <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah i got you analyzing but yeah no so um definitely a blend right so mm-hmm. uh i had another little section so and it was that uh, <laughs> can climate change benefit freshwater fisheries Ooh, that is a what's that's the, quite the flips? spin Yep. so yeah. i tried i was like what's 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 on the other side of this and it really what i could think of was if you're for example a bass fisherman and you have a greater um that bass like largemouth bass that would be warm water fish species mm-hmm. um within mm-hmm. that warm cool and warm water range okay mm-hmm. so If you, yeah, if your areas are turning to more, more weedy, warmer areas, largemouth basses, population, you know, spreads, uh, you you might, if you're a fisherman, bass fisherman, yeah, you might enjoy more area. But, uh, that's, that's the only, (laughs) this is a a very short section because that's the only, like, spin. That's not uh, a
1: very strong leg to stand on there. I know, I know. Um,
0: But, yeah, so, um, definitely definitely an interesting range for sure and you know just to to wrap up you know we talked about klein jones so klein was the Mm -hmm. the montana um, anglers so definitely the through lines with well i'll give both an example is that yeah there's climate climate change uh, could be in the forms of temperature drought um, and that's going to influence fish habitat like we talked about it could be by warming of temperatures it could be no water if you have drought conditions for example so fish are going to move Um, there's some blend of resiliency as well some some areas might be able to withstand these changes some might not Um, but that's going to affect what fish are on what area anglers are going to go for those fish because they like to fish for x y and z if it's not there they're not going to go to that area and with that angler movement comes um different changes to the economy so Uh, some economies might do better some might do worse and that movement or they're just in large regions overall uh, there could be estimates of you know the water is so warm that only x y and z fish come and people don't like to fish for that so there's a overall reduction in the fishing industry overall so those are definitely the two main take-homes a lot of papers in this field okay these are just two Mm. uh if you're interested in this uh they're there's more out there, definitely. So I don't want to say this is like the <laughs> the definite <laughs> podcast on this. We could, I mean, you could go down a rabbit hole with climate mm-hmm. change, as I'm sure people have have known. Um, so, yeah, I want to stop yeah. there.
1: Yeah, it's interesting, and um, hmm. yeah, I'm definitely. I mean, if we're talking about like habitat loss, right, and then you're you're just talking about so not only are the number of fishing opportunities decreasing, but the number of fish are obviously decreasing at that point. So then you're having a concentration of anglers over a smaller population of fish. So I can definitely see circumstances in some areas where you can have a large decrease in like the, the tags available or the seasons may get shortened. So yeah, this, this certainly has a, huge implications for entire uh, entire fishing economies
0: yes that's a great point and i definitely did want to before ending like tie into that that management aspects of it too so mm-hmm. if you we talked about like if, if water is so warm that spawning grounds like you know you really have to maybe focus your management efforts on that reproduction point or mm-hmm. you know have to rely on artificial spawning Um, that's an aside the the point is like this this has management implications even more so than like the economy as well so if you have stretches of river if you think about like montana cold water stretches where it was like you know half a million dollars per kilometer um Mm -hmm. and you only have a reduced amount of kilometers that people can can go to river miles um yeah you might have to manage those streams because they get fished out you know people moving through a stream system uh even if you try really hard, you're going to have some kind of um, if you're, you're upsetting the, the ecosystem in some way, shape or form. So if you have mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of foot traffic like that, that can be big, too. So um, management is going to have to adapt to that as well. Mm-hmm. So that's, um, yeah, a lot of a lot of factors in this climate change type of uh, thought process.
1: Yeah, and some of it can be small steps too. You mentioned earlier how um, like shading can obviously really affect the the water temperature. Mm-hmm. And I remember reading a a paper and as an undergrad where we were talking about the it was macro invertebrates and uh, water temperature. And there was um you know they were like taking usual EPT taxa. So uh, what is it? Ephemeroptera, Plecoptera, tricoptera So it's like mayfly, caddisfly, stonefly. Um, they're good indicator species for like the health of a stream. So they were looking at it before and after a particular uh neighborhood was developed, right so obviously it was a regular forest, tons of taxa, then it was clear cut um a bunch of neighborhoods put in and the really the only thing that really changed i mean they looked at nutrients, those changed a little bit, they looked at like toxins and things like that those didn't really increase all that much, but the big thing was the water temperature increased a ton, yep, and just by reintroducing some shade and you know some trees and some um um some riparian zones um, they saw some obviously not to the level it was before but some recovery of those of those taxa. so it can be just as little things as planting trees yeah. can help combat obviously but
0: definitely not in, completely uh, overcome it in the the driftless region of minnesota iowa wisconsin my, my favorite place but uh I, I remember learning that too when i was good doing school there was that the tree definitely shade cover is huge mm-hmm. and buffering Runoff, so yeah, you know, it's definitely like um, non-point source runoff is it's huge for nutrients, but also for water temperature. So, mm-hmm. yeah, um, especially in areas where you have groundwater recharge of streams, like if you're if you're getting atmospheric rain or more so just water running over that land and absorbing of that heat, for lack of a better word, mm-hmm. um, definitely not my field of study too much, but that can increase temperatures to the point where yeah. it, that 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 range of cold water fish species um can cannot survive so yeah, yeah. shading yeah, but... it could be as simple as planting trees definitely
1: yeah i mean again there's a ton more that needs to be done and like you said there's already a ton like an entire field of research dedicated to this kind of stuff but i think this is yeah. uh, this is a great intro really nice job
0: oh thank you thank you thank you yep <laughs> maybe we'll cover this in a couple of years again and
1: yeah i'm sure we'll circle back to it
0: oh i'm sure but okay <laughs> well thanks everyone for listening again we're talking about climate change its effects on the recreational freshwater fishing industry if you enjoyed this article um, you can find more like it at Fishwater and travel we also have a blossoming backlog of freshwater perspective um, episodes as well that you can check out uh, we are present on most social media's the uh, Instagram, YouTube um, type in freshwater and travel and freshwater perspectives will will come up so thank you again for listening we hope you enjoy